welcome back to the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. And on today's pod, we got part two, breaking down the top 10 MLB players. And we're actually just unveiling my top five players in Major League Baseball. So it's going to be a fun pod. It's going to be a jam-packed pod as always. So let's jump right into it. You are locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Miller Thomas of Locked On Dimeback still here. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked On Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, Thank you for making Locked on Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be doing this podcast without you, the listener, of course, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. We're doing this podcast after the gym. Most of the time I do a podcast before the gym, but we're doing it after the gym today, and I'm surprisingly amped up right now. I guess a lot of testosterone is built up after the gym, so this feels like a different energy right now. Maybe I have to try doing more pods in the future after the gym. Maybe it's a different feel on the mic. We'll see what happens, but like I said, in the cold open, we're discussing the top 10 players in baseball, really just the top five, because we did part one on Monday detailing my six through 10 best players in baseball. Now we're doing the top five, but before we get there, might as well make mention of the MLB, MLB, MLB lockout because, I don't know, there seems to be some progress. It feels like these two sides have met for like six, seven hours. They've basically done school days in terms of how long their meetings have gone the last three days, they've been meeting for multiple hours. Now, has there really been any progress made? Not really. I mean, a lot of the stuff they're focusing on seems to be about this arbitration pool. Should it be 10 million bonus pool? 15 million? Like, really? I, I don't care. Um, like, let's end the lockout. Like, if we're arguing about arbitration pools and things like that, like, that's the least of my worries when it comes to this lockout. Universal DH, expanded playoffs, things like that. Getting to free agency quicker, sure, but just trying to figure out should it be 10 million or 15 million for the arbitration pool. Like, who really cares about any of that? And Major League Baseball, they're putting their foot in the ground right now. They're saying if we don't meet our deadline, games will be canceled and we're not making those games up. You guys will just not get paid a full season. Like, the owners are starting to drop the hammer down. They're kind of uh, putting the arms behind the players' back, they're taking the players' arm and putting it behind their own back because they're just basically saying, hey, you either curtail to what we're saying, you guys do the ultimate compromise, or you just won't get paid. Like, it's no issue to us. We can do this dance and extend the deadline as far as you want to the season because at the end of the day, we're still going to be billionaires. We still got a whole bunch of other incomes where we're going to be pulling in money, and you guys aren't going to get paid at all. And plus, all your minor league friends, like, they're probably going to have to pick up some summer jobs. They're probably going to have to go... Who knows what they're going to have to do, but they won't be playing baseball this summer if this continues. So the owners right now are really 
pushing hard against the players. And I respect the players for standing up for themselves, for their backbone. I Whenever I try to talk about this with like some of my co-workers sometimes, they're always trying to come at the players first. Like, what do they have to complain about? There's no salary cap. But yeah, that's true. But at the end of the day, it's millionaires fighting with billionaires. And the billionaires are the ones putting these weird deadlines and making up all these random rules. No, we can't pay you. No, we can't make up games like who said any of that? Why is any of that true? It makes absolutely no sense. So whenever anyone pushes back against the players as to why they're fighting for all this, and remember, it's a lockout, not a strike. Lockout is owner-initiated. So whenever someone tries to push back against the players, I'm like, hey, millionaires versus billionaires. I'm going to ride with the millionaires every single time, especially when they go on the short end of the stick for majority of the time. Yes, there's no salary cap, but sometimes you have to be 32 or 33 before you even see that first big contract post arbitration so hopefully this stuff gets sorted out soon baseball season should be around the corner in the perfect world baseball season you know it was like what a week and a half away from spring training or something like that we're already seeing you know we, we would already be seeing videos every day of people playing catch and just the vibe of baseball the mystique of baseball it would just be creeping into our souls at this point in the season of course that is not happening right now because of this lockout so hopefully it ends soon hopefully we get a little free agent frenzy part two because it was really fun before the lockout and i hope it comes back as teams try to scramble right before the season starts so we'll see what that will be lockout will of course continue to update you on the lockdown dimebacks podcast but Let's get into the real crux of the podcast, which is basically the top five players in baseball. Because we did part one, as I said, on Monday. Top, yeah, you know, six through ten now we're doing top five. So let's get right into it and let's start with number five, of course, on my list. And just to recap, number ten, Ronald Acuna Jr. Nine, Zach Wheeler. Eight, Bryce Harper. Seven, Burns. Corbin Burns and 6-1 Soto and I feel like Acuna could be higher on this list looking at it again I feel like he should probably be ahead of Zach Wheeler but Acuna just hasn't been healthy this past season so we'll see how he recovers and you know plays next season I think he could definitely move ahead of the Wheeler but considering he's coming off an injury and he only played half the season I think it's fair to put Wheeler ahead of Acuna considering Wheeler has had back-to-back good seasons if you count that short season but let's get into the top five right now and at number five, we got Freddie Freeman, and I debated with him a lot whether to put him four or five. We'll talk about number four in just a second, of course. But Freddie Freeman, Freddie Freeman, number five on my list. You know, MVP last season, been an MVP candidate for multiple seasons now at this point of his career, coming off a fantastic run through the playoffs that ended with the World Series. Not something I expected for the Braves, who had the worst record entering the postseason I believe of any team and you see Freddie Freeman he absolutely raked throughout the entire playoffs like listen to some of these playoff numbers he had in the divisional series 308 average 1086 OPS in the championship series 1063 OPS in the world series 996 OPS it was basically a thousand OPS for the entire playoffs Walk, walks and strikes were nearly identical, five home runs as well. So this guy absolutely lit it up in the playoffs. And you know me, I actually care about the postseason. I actually think the postseason matters. So when I have a guy that's an MVP candidate in the regular season actually take another level and get better in the postseason, that really matters to me. So I love Freddie Freeman for that. Silver slugger for multiple years in a row now. 
hard contact monster. We're going to be talking a lot about hard contact with these top five guys because they are hard contact darlings. I think I tried to say that phrase on Monday's pod. I couldn't get it out on the first attempt, but I did do that today. So pat on the back to me. Elite contact machine. This dude's contact percentage is like above 75%. He's a pure hitter. He's just not a power guy. This is a dude with like a 300 average for his career. Freddie Freeman is a pure hitter at the plate. Strikeouts to walks the last two years have been eerily identical. Like he's pretty much striking out at like 2% more than he's walking. Like this dude has complete discipline of the strike zone right now. And all his expected stats hold up to his practical production, which I like. Some players are like, hey, yeah, they didn't have a good year, but look at those expected stats. And any other season, they would have been an all-star. Like, I don't really care about that. Or sometimes a player has great stats and you say, well, those expected stats, they told you he's not as good as what he actually was this season. And I don't care about any of that. I care about your raw production. And for Freddie Freeman, he puts up MVP numbers and the expected stats back that up as well. So I don't need any more information to tell me Freddie Freeman is a beast at the plate. 350 average, over 1,000 OPS or runners in scoring position. So any offensive number you look at for Freddie Freeman, he's pretty much going to be dominant in that area. He's one of the best players in baseball. And it's really fascinating with him right now because he's, of course, a free agent, declined the qualifying offer from the Braves, and he's Mr. Atlanta. He's the face of that franchise. He just won them a ring, uh, ended that drought for that city. So Freddie Freeman leaves, like, that's going to be a major earthquake. That would be bigger news than Chris Bryant, wherever he goes, Trevor Story, because Freddie Freeman has been the face of Atlanta for a while now. He's been one of the best players in baseball for a while now, and to leave after a World Series, that would be crazy, especially if he went to a team like the New York Yankees. I wouldn't even know what to say. I guess I guess I would say the rich get richer, but the Yankees have had a lot of talent for years now, and it hasn't really amounted to anything. So who cares about the Yankees because they are hot garbage. Uh, I guess they usually put talented players on the field, and they usually do win games. But in terms of World Series equity, equity the Yankees are hot garbage. Now, we'll talk about number four and number three on my list for top five players in baseball but first this episode is brought to you by built bar this is the time of year i pretty much given up on all my new year's resolutions but not this year i'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to built bar it almost feels like it's not really a resolution because i actually enjoy eating them and have you tried the puffs if you haven't you're missing out on one of built bars best tasting bars plus Mm, excuse me. The puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors. And like all the built bars, not just the puffs, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. They're soft, they're easy to chew. I love built bars, low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, even great for a keto diet, better than a candy bar, and a lot healthier than a candy bar as well. If you want your own built bar, just go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your next order. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. get back to the podcast and let's discuss number four on my list and maybe you guys think he should be low on this list maybe you think he should be higher maybe you think I was correct in my initial reasoning to put him at number five and Freddie at number four but coming in at number four I got Fernando Tat 
Tatis Jr. And I don't think it's a surprise. I don't think it's a surprise at all to see Tatis, you know, number four on my list. I just don't know if everyone would agree. Uh, but when you look at the numbers, it's hard to argue with Tatis being one of the what five best players in the sport. I mean, I have him at number four in 130 games just last season. Tatis, 975 OPS, 42 home runs, which led to NL. 25 stolen bases, Silver Slugger Award as well. Tatis got all the offensive numbers now. Since this is breaking down the top players in baseball, I'm not really doing too many negatives, so we won't talk about the errors or anything like that. Shout out Javi Reyes of Lockdown Padres. But this is a dude, if you care about the power-speed formula, which I don't really know how it works. I just know if you hit a lot of home runs and steal a lot of bases, you're going to be pretty high. And he led the National League in that power-speed formula, so Shout out to you, Fernando Tatis. I guess you're the fastest, strongest player in baseball in terms of that combination because this dude does hit absolute nukes. Like, I can't deny that. This dude crushes baseballs. Don't even look at his hard contact numbers because they're absolutely insane, like everyone on this list. He also led the majors in at-bats per home run at 11.4 and the highest percentage of hard-hit balls at 48%. So this dude is literally hitting rockets and missiles all over the field he has power that can go to all fields he's not just a dude pulling it you don't you you can't do a switch against Fernando Tatis because he will crush that every day of the week because this is someone that's also very good against righties and lefties if you look at his numbers identical doesn't matter who's on the mound right-handed right-handed pitcher left-handed pitcher Tatis is great at attacking both sides of the pitcher I thought I was going to say something smarter there. It came out kind of dumb. 364 average and over 1,200 OPS for it runners in scoring position. And if you want to dwindle that down to runners in scoring position, but with two outs, Tatis, 463 average and a 1,583 OPS. I'm hoping that number's not wrong. 1,583 seems a little high. I actually got Tatis pulled up right here on Baseball Reference, so we can fact check myself. I feel like that might be a little high. No, it's right. 1,583 OPS with two outs and runners in scoring position. So Tatis, really, if you need a beast at the plate in the big moments, Tatis is your guy. Over 1,100 OPS when seeing a pitcher multiple times. So not the first time, but second or third time, Tatis is coming after your pitcher, and he's getting that dude out the game. So you might be able to strike out Tatis the first time through, but that second, third time through, uh, yeah, Tatis might take you for a long one. And I think just the overall year for Tatis, what made it so interesting is, do you guys remember at one point at the beginning of the season, there was reports that Tatis like might be out for the year with that hurt shoulder, and he ended up just missing like two weeks or something. It's the reason why he played 130 games. But this is someone that we thought was potentially going to miss the whole season and to play through that shoulder injury and still put up the numbers he put up. Like, I think if the Padres actually make the postseason, like, we might be sitting here talking about Tatis as the MVP of the National League. I think that might be the only reason he didn't. You combine that, uh, you, you take that Padres collapse, and I think it made it a little bit harder for Tatis, for Tatis to win the award. It's like, how can you be the MVP and your team collapses in the second half of the season? Like, how can you be the MVP and have basically the second record in the second have the same record in the second half as the Arizona Dimebacks. Some of that stuff just doesn't make sense. And some of you guys are like, hey, who cares about record and all that? Let's give Mike Trout another award. And don't worry, Mike Trout will be on this list and he racks up the MVPs for losing. So if you don't care about that, I won't care about that. And we won't have to talk about it. But for Tatis, I think it's probably the reason he didn't win MVP because his team was 
it, it floundered at the end of the season. And it's not like Bryce Harper was on a good team either on the Philadelphia Phillies, but at least the Phillies were like the same team all year, basically. I think the Padres left us with uh, left us with a real sour taste in our mouth at the end of the season. So I think it was a little bit harder for the voters to give Tatis the award after seeing what we saw post All Star break. But still, Tatis he's the fourth best player in baseball, and if he could clean up the errors and the Padres make the postseason next year, or even if they don't, Tatis still might be even higher on this list if we get 150 games out of him, and that's 45 home runs, 30 stolen bases, and maybe 1,000 OPS. We'll see, but Tatis is definitely a stud. Number three on my list is someone that I won't have to talk too long about, and I don't know if you guys will actually agree with him here. I'm putting him here, but it's the guy who I guess hate on the most. I'm known as the Mike Trout hater, but... I have Mike Trout number three on my list. Maybe you guys actually think that's hate, but I feel like that's pretty fair to Mike Trout to put him ahead of Tatis, Juan Soto, and Freddie Freeman. I think at this point of Trout's career, I think I'm actually being pretty generous with number three because we all know how good Mike Trout is. This guy has literally won three MVPs and finished second four times in MVP voting. He's insane. In 36 games last season, he had a 333 average, a 1090 OPS, eight home runs, there's no doubt Mike Trout's a stud, and some people would have him lower on this list, but the reason I still have him at number three is just because, like I said with those numbers, he still balled out this past season, even though it was a really small sample size, he still balled out this past season, he balled out in the 2020 shortened season, and there's just nothing that I've seen from Mike Trout that may, that that won't there's nothing that I've seen from Mike Trout that won't make me believe that he's going to be a stud once again next season, again, I'm not saying I'm the guy that argues maybe he's not the best player in baseball, undisputed year to year. But if you're taking a seven year average, sure, I can agree. Mike Trout's been the best player over the last seven, eight years. I just feel like there's certain years where I might go with a Mookie Betts or I might go where Christian Yelich. I don't think he's undisputed best player in baseball, you know, single season to single season. But over the course of his career, sure, I guess you could make that argument. I won't really disagree with you. And for Mike Trout, because of that argument, I'm going to have to put him at number three. It's kind of like the LeBron Legacy Award. LeBron should always be considered at the very top of your list when ranking NBA players until he shows you he's not one of the best players in his sport. Same with Mike Trout. Until Mike Trout shows me he's not one of the best players in baseball, I'm going to have to keep putting him at least top three. And of course, injuries have taken a lot of time away from Mike Trout the last couple of years. He played 53 games in the 60-game shortened season in 2020, but I believe he did end that year with a little surgery, and then you have 2021 where he basically you know, almost missed the entire season. So Mike Trout can stay healthy for an entire season next year. There's no doubt in my mind we'll go back to, oh my God, look how good this guy is. He's the greatest baseball player I've ever seen, yada, yada. And I'll go back to probably hating on Mike Trout, but I do have a lot of respect for Mike Trout. I recognize he's one of the best players in the game I just think it's not undisputed there's no one else in baseball I'd rather have than Mike Trout because again he hasn't shown us a lot in the postseason and yes he's only been there one time it's not his fault he only he's only been there one time but go look at ESPN's top 100 players of all time of all time you know who's gonna be the one guy with one career playoff hit after a decade plus in the league Mike Trout kind of disappointing but still Mike Trout you're the third best player in baseball which I think is pretty generous so now we're going to unveil the top two players in baseball. But first, I need to tell you guys about BetOnline because football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fire coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all the young 
is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. I don't know what I tried to say there. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to your right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Let's get back into the podcast and let's unveil the two best players in the sport of baseball. And at number two on my list, I got Vlad Guerrero Jr., son of Vlad Guerrero, of course. He had a breakout season this past year, and I got to be honest, I did not see this coming for Vlad Guerrero Jr., so much so that when my homie drafted him like in the fifth round or something, I actually laughed at him. He, My homie took Vlad Guerrero Jr., you know him, JT Shorter, he's been on this pod multiple times. He took him like the fifth or sixth round in our fantasy baseball draft, and I actually laughed at him on Zoom while we were drafting because I was like, yo, that's a ridiculous pick. He can definitely, you know, eventually pop and turn to an all-star level player, but I'm not sure he's going to give you the return of where he drafted him, you know, in the fantasy draft, and I ended up looking like a fool because not only was he a great value. Like he was literally, if you take Otani out the game, he was the best player in fantasy. So he definitely got his money's worth with, with a Vlad Guerrero Jr. Because Vladdy last year, 123 runs scored, 48 bombs, 401 OBP, 601 slugging, 601 slugging percentage, 363 total bases, 169 OPS plus. All those numbers I just said led the American League. This guy, Vlad Guerrero Jr., even with all those numbers being said, looking at his frame, knowing he's a power guy, you would probably assume he's got a little Chris Davis in him. Maybe he strikes out a lot, but it's really not true. His strikeout and walk numbers are kind of close to kind of Freddie Freeman-esque where it's like 15% uh, strikeout rate, 12% walk ratio. Like they're kind of close. And what's even closer is his extra base percentage and his walk rate. Like they're literally like 12% and 11%. I think that's absolutely insane. He's as likely to draw a walk as he is to hit a double or something greater than that. So Vlad Guerrero Jr. definitely has power for days. I don't even think we have to mention hard contact numbers when it comes to Vlad Guerrero Jr. Because you can literally just look at that guy and just know that dude's going to hit 40 home runs. Like He's got that kind of frame. He's a big boy, no doubt about it. So we know Vlad Guerrero Jr. definitely you know, hit for power. It, it, even if you didn't see Vladdy play, just look at him. You know that dude could hit for power. It's like when you... Uh, if you ever played rec baseball, maybe you're just picking teams. Like you're taking the biggest dude on the field, usually by weight, because that dude is usually generating the most power for your team. Then you're probably playing, you know, one of the corner infield positions, like Vlad Guerrero Jr. as well. Any advanced stat that illustrates how many runs a player created for their team, Vlad Guerrero pretty much led those stats in the American League. Like just literally pick the stats, like adjusted runs created or whatever, like all those random weird advanced stats. Vlad Guerrero Jr. was at the top at uh, was at the top for a bunch of them. Um, Nine oh five OPS with two outs. I found that stat pretty interesting because, of course, it's hard to get a hit with two outs. The pressure's on. Pitchers pitch to the batter differently. They try to attack you a little bit more, and it doesn't matter. Vlad Guerrero Jr. You can't really trip him up at all. 
315 average and 1050 OPS for runners in scoring position. That's why these are the top 10 players in baseball because every time I bring up their numbers or runners in scoring position, they're all-star Hall of Fame numbers. So Vlad Guerrero Jr., the same guy. And also leverage doesn't matter for this guy. High, medium, low. This dude is coming through for you in all situations. So Vlad Guerrero Jr., definitely a clutch player. Definitely one of the brightest players in baseball. One of the, not even an up-and-coming star. Like, he's a superstar. He's here now. And I want to see how his career unfolds because it might end up being better than his daddy's, which is just crazy to think about because his father was one of the best players I've ever seen growing up. So the idea that his son could actually be better than him that's like one of those, you know, Hallmark movie type stories, I guess. Hallmark, I don't know. I don't know who's making movies anymore like that. Netflix, I guess Netflix now. If you've seen that trailer for Adam Sandler and LeBron James, they got a movie coming out. I guess you had that Sean Payne movie coming out recently. So I guess Netflix is the place to go for feel-good sports movies in 2022. Now, number one on my top 10 MLB players in Major League Baseball, we got Ketel Marte now. Just kidding. I know it's locked on Dimebacks, but I can't do that. Ketel Marte is not the is not the best player in baseball. We know who it is. It's Shohei Otani. 965 OPS, 46 home runs, 26 stolen bases, and eight triples last season. And guess what, guys? You already know this, but that was just as a position player because as a pitcher, Otani, 318 ERA, 130 innings pitch, double-digit strikeouts per nine, and a 109 whip. I like words can't describe how good Shohei Otani is. There's not a lot of numbers I could tell you that you probably already don't know because Otani's been that good and been that highly discussed. But I guess I could give you a few. Like everybody else, 1166 OPS for runners in scoring position and high leverage moments, 1276 OPS. This dude crushes in the biggest moments of a ball game. Hard contact stuff. Forget about it. Like everybody else, he's crushing that ball. And he's not just crushing it at the plate. Like, Otani throws ridiculously hard. His fastball averaged almost 96 miles an hour. Like, there's no one on the D-backs, I think, with a fastball faster than Otani's, which is crazy to think about because if he joined the D-backs, he would easily be our number one starter and easily, not easily, but he would be in the conversation for probably our best position player and probably argue he would be a better position player than Ketel Marte as well. So he'll probably be the best player for the D-backs as a pitcher and hitter if he came to the team. Now, some interesting notes from Otani from this past season that I found off Wikipedia, so I want to give them credit. Finished the year unbeaten at home, going 6-0 with a 1.95 ERA and 13 starts. Otani's home ERA was the lowest by an Angel starter since Jared Weaver in 2011. I believe Jared Weaver is going to be on the Hall of Fame ballot next season. He also became the sixth starter in AL or NL history to make at least 13 home starts without losing a decision and an ERA below two in a season. Otani became the first player in MLB history to have at least 45 home runs, 25 stolen bases, 100 RBIs, 100 runs, and 8 triples in a season, and just the second player in AL history to record at least 45 home runs and 25 stolen bases in a season, joining Jose Canseco in 1998. I'm hoping, I'm praying, Shohei Otani can be a trailblazers for players coming through the system that can both hit and pitch. I don't think it's that crazy of an idea for teaching young kids, hey, why don't you just swing the bat and then next inning, why don't you just go up there on the mound? Like, 
pretty sure it's actually better for your muscle better for your muscles you don't want to do the specialization thing they'll get different movements going in their body and they'll just be learning more skills i don't know why the youth is so focused on you got to learn one position you're never allowed to learn anything else for the rest of your life like if you're 12 years old and you're chubby like you're going to be an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman and it's really not fair because what if those people want to do something different you know uh once you get if you're the most athletic guy on the field and you get tapped to be the running back well guess what at 12 years old you're probably gonna be the running back for the rest of your life which is really not fair so hopefully in baseball we could teach the youth and break this cycle of you gotta if you want to be a pitcher you can only be a pitcher if you want to be a hitter you can only hit from your right side no switch hitting like i don't understand why we're trying to teach kids less skills i get you want them to refine one but let them learn a whole bunch and see what they're good at and see what they gravitate to so hopefully otani can be a trailblazer in that era in that area and also we need to get Otani to a winning team. He's allowed two more seasons with the Los Angeles Angels. But after that, I want to see Otani on a great team because I don't want the whole Mike Trout argument with Otani. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be the one saying, yes, Mike Trout has had a disappointing career because even though he's been arguably the best player in the regular season we've ever had, he has one career playoff hit. That's not <laughs> that's not a very interesting career. So for Otani, I don't want to be marveled every year by him doing all these crazy stuff in the regular season, pitching and winning 20 games as a pitcher and then 50 home runs as a hitter. Like all that stuff is cool, but if I don't even get at least one moment from you in your baseball career or at least able to see you multiple times in the playoffs in the biggest stage, like a lot of that stuff just comes up short to me. It doesn't leave me very fulfilled. And that's why Mike Trout, as good as he is, his career had just left me a little short wanting more because I know how good this guy is, but I just haven't seen it on the big stage. And guess what? There are players who are all-timers in the regular season that are not good in the playoffs, a.k.a. Clay and Kershaw. So I don't want to just assume that Mike Trout's going to be good in the postseason. I don't know what Mike Trout's going to be in the postseason because I've only seen him there one time. Otani, don't do the Mike Trout. Please, please, please. I know Mike Trout loves California. I know he loves the Angels. He wants to be there. That's all well and good but otani if you care about winning or your legacy or any of that jazz that you know us sports talking heads like to discuss and debate about please eventually get to a winning season or excuse me a winning team you can spend two more seasons with the angels and do whatever you want but after that once your contract is up let's think about moving on buddy because i want to get you to a world series contender and i want to see you pitch on the biggest stage in baseball now, that's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned into today's pod. That is our top 10 players in baseball. So let's just recap it real quick. Number one, Otani, then Vlad, Trout, Tatis, Freddie Freeman, Juan Soto, Corbin Burns, Bryce Harper, Zach Wheeler, Ronald Acuna Jr. Rounds out your top 10. Come back on Friday for more Locked on Dimebacks news coverage and insight, of course. Go make Locked On Bets your second listen 